All right, welcome into another edition, RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. This is a Thursday night. We're going to preview games for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, and give you some best bets. Uh, my best bet for last week's game still underway, so not gradable at this moment. Uh, my best bet for the weekend is actually for tomorrow night. So we'll get to the, I mean, there'll be no doubts about that by the time we record on Sunday. How about that? Um, you had a best bet loser this week. Unfortunately, you broke our streak of one consecutive two and O uh, shows. Did you introduce me? I can't, I can't, I'm not sure. I might've missed that part. I don't know. Griffin Warner, my esteemed co-host. Yeah. yeah. I mean, with that lead in, I, I could sure everyone would be real pumped. Yeah. The worst part about it was, uh, put, gave out the number, uh, on the, uh, podcast at a minus two and a half on Wyoming. Uh, I think anyone <laughs> who actually heard this podcast got a better number cause it kind of sunk no right doubt. after I said it. So I'm hoping that the people, uh, if they were deciding to, to follow along they would have probably won uh but by sticking my neck out there early um thinking that this line was gonna climb i mean i don't know if it was deserved went to overtime but that's the risk of this like putting out numbers early and i to full disclosure i bet minus two and a half two and of course wyoming gets the win by two it sucks uh but if, if you were you could have gotten wyoming with a plus by their name uh, right before that game started. So there was plenty of numbers out there. If, for the grading, it's a loss. But honestly, and for Griffin and I, it was a loss. But I think for the people, that's a win. I mean, if you ask me, it's a win. Well, you know, it's a win when you're even in the game, when the coach gets ejected before the first media timeout. Um, <laughs> and the best player gets hurt, like, immediately. It, it, was a, it was wild that they were even in that game, to be honest. But... Uh, we will, you know, we, we move on and we're actually going to start this week in that same conference with a game tomorrow, Friday night between Fresno state and Colorado state. This line is available. The Rams five and a half point favorites and the analytics sites projected this much tighter. They thought it was going to be three, which probably would have made Colorado state my best bet. Uh, as it stands at five and a half, I think it's probably still playable, uh, not at a best bet range, but I, I'll, I guess I'll kick it off here. This is the only matchup between these two teams this season, so there's no like priors to go on. There's not an, a game coming up you know, that we're going to be able to look at this one, but last year was a 3-0 sweep for Colorado State, and for, for Fresno's got one thing going for them, and it's Orlando Robinson. He is freakish. And at the at the level, the Mountain West level, he is a uh, he's a weapon. He's one of the most complete players in the country. He's a big who, who just he can shoot. He, uh, he he can play defense. He he's just he is dominant for this level. But it hasn't translated all that much into actual tangible wins for the Bulldogs, particularly on the road. They are four and five away from home, and their best road win has come against UNLV. And while UNLV is not the same dog shit they've been for the last several years, if, if that's the win you're hanging your hat on, no, I mean, no one. let's just say no one's mistaking them for a tournament team. Uh, they've got losses at Nevada, at Boise, at Utah, at San Francisco, and at Cal. Those are probably a better representation of what they're going to see here. Although you can argue Colorado State's a better home team than than any of those teams. 
And the Rams are just the deeper team. Uh, Roddy is certainly undersized for a, a four or five, but he's held his own all season long there, including a game that we watched the other day, the overtime loss where uh, to Wyoming, where he and Graham E.K. just went toe-to-toe all night. Both fouled out within like 45 seconds of each other at the end of that game. Uh, but both had it just had a fantastic night. And then you add in Isaiah Stevens, you add in John Tanji, and Colorado State just has a lot more ways to beat you. I just, it feels like one possession felt like way too short. Even two possessions feels a little short here for a Rams team that I, I think is just a, a, a level above Fresno. What do you think? Yeah, uh, Moby Magic is a pretty serious thing, I think, not necessarily based on the crowd being as in your face as maybe it was a few years ago when the program was building. I feel like it's like one of those things on the climb where the, the crowd's a lot more insane because you wouldn't expect it. Uh, but they've been pretty good, pretty uh, a pretty good home team. And I think a lot of that because uh, Colorado State loves to shoot the three and they're pretty efficient with it. Uh, they have a lot of threats. They've been dealing with some injuries with Thistlewood specifically, who I think is one of those kind of stretch four players that really uh, excels at a college level. I don't think has any real pro uh, prospects, but um, I, at this level, as you're talking about Orlando Robinson for, for Fresno, I think um, Colorado State have a bunch of good college players. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'm having flashbacks to last Friday night when they coughed up a 20 point second half lead and, and couldn't even cover a four point favorite spread. Uh, but literally almost lost part of the that game. too. Yeah. Almost <laughs> lost the game too. So like clearly it wasn't really just about me, but um, needed a, like a buzzer beater. It's in- incredible that that can happen, but college is how it goes. Um, but, but back to, to this week, um, I think Fresno is a team that I was looking to back a little bit more in the mountain West this year. I think I learned the hard way maybe once or twice, but, um, I think reason why they've struggled so much on the road and those aren't bad losses that you highlighted, but I think speaks to that they struggle away from home is that they can't really score the basketball. Uh, Orlando Robinson's a great pro prospect. Um, but I almost feel like he disappears at times, which I don't know if that's fair to say, cause he has a, a high usage rate and, uh, you can't give him the ball every time down the floor, but I, I literally might because the rest of his team is unfortunately pretty limited in how they score. So, um, how the game plan for for how Fresno goes in there is to probably play as slowly as they possibly can, hope that Colorado State cannot make three pointers, and hope that Orlando Robinson really bosses around in the paint. Problem is, Colorado State has Roddy, who's undersized, but is pretty athletic and mobile for a big guy with a lot of bulk to him. And then they have Moores as like the backup center who can really kind of push players out. And I think he's one of those five fouls that you can use during a basketball game. And I just don't know that Orlando Robinson like is perfect. Like I don't think he's going on the block and dominating for 40 minutes. I think he's going to want to shoot jump shots, maybe some three pointers, um, which is awesome and makes him dynamic, but I feel like limits his impact on this game. Uh, And I was thinking about this one. I was hoping for a shorter number, of course, as, as I think you were as well. Um, but I just, I I like Fresno. I think that they're a team that I'd want to play, uh, against like teams that are closer to them in, in terms of talent level. I feel like on the road against one of the better teams, the preseason mountain West favorite, I feel like, uh, it's, it's going to be a a tough one for them to come on the road, get a win or even hang around. Is this maybe like, it's gotta be up there with the best that the mountain West has been. I mean, they, they've got a lot I don't know how many tournament teams they're going to end up with, but it feels like there's not many dreadful teams. I mean, San Jose State's about as bad as it gets for sure, 
but even Air Force near the bottom is bad. And if you had told me that Nevada was going to be bad and the Mountain West was still going to be a, a pretty damn good conference, like at Boise, Wyoming, Colorado State, San Diego State, Utah State, these Fresno, these are all quality teams. Like, are, are you surprised at how strong this conference is? A little, but I feel like I've been pretty into them and the West Coast, which is great for late night basketball. Uh, I'm actually so into this conference that I just booked a trip to Vegas for the conference tournament. So I'm going to try to go to that and maybe sprinkle in some Pac-12 games, which I imagine which will be a much harder ticket. Um, but I, I mean, I if you're quizzing me on, on tournament teams, I think San Diego State, Colorado State, Wyoming are all probably in the tournament. Uh, San Diego State might have a little more work to do than the others. Um, and then Boise's out there winning 16 in a row. Um, they might be in there too, I think with a, a win over Oklahoma. So, um, I might give them four bids at this point. Um, of pretty course, crazy you know, to think about, right? I mean, you wouldn't have expected, I think coming into the season. And I think Wyoming kind of came out of nowhere with this awesome win streak. Um, and when they don't choke games away and they win them in overtime without a coach, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I just wish that I had maybe been a little bit more aware of how good they were in the non-conference or that COVID wasn't really around canceling games because I feel like there probably was a lot of money to be made in these teams. All right, let's go to that Pac-12 that you mentioned and talk about a a matchup, an LA matchup, UCLA at USC. Uh, I projected this around minus three for UCLA. You think USC may be favored. So there's some, some wiggle room here, I guess, to discuss. I'll say this, if USC, I I would lean to USC here getting points. Uh, And speaking of, you know, last year's results, USC, they swept the Bruins last year. Now, that was a different Trojans team. They had one more Mobley than they do now. And uh, he he actually ended up being pretty good. Uh, He averaged a double-double in those games. He averaged four blocks in those games. So, it, what, the Trojans still make it tough to score inside. That, that's always going to be the case with with them with their size. And while that's mostly where UCLA wants to work, they're a solid three point shooting team when they, when they need to be. The, the two teams that have beat UCLA that have this kind of size are Arizona and Gonzaga, and it's hard to comp anyone but maybe each other to those two teams. So I'm certainly not going to comp USC to those teams. Um. And not to mention, we also saw UCLA handle zone a size just fine in in one of those games. So I, I doesn't I don't think there's a, a huge home court edge here for USC. But I'm I, that's the, like I said, it's probably the way I'd lean. But I'm probably going to end up just passing. Wait to see how this plays out and look to get in on the rematch at the end of the season based based on the result in this one. Yeah, I think um, USC has dominated the series. No ifs, fans are right about that, but. Also, UCLA has had to do a coaching change because Steve Alford was just not getting it done and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm a little nervous. So as a USC uh, to win the national title future holder, um, I'm pretty disappointed in how this conference season has gone after such a long undefeated start to the year, uh, but was really kind of making that play because I felt like UCLA wasn't as strong as we've talked about a lot in this podcast and, and neither was the rest of the Pac-12. Um but I'm a little bit worried about the the Mobleys you mentioned. The one that's remaining, I guess, besides the coach on the bench, is uh, 
um, their starting center who also plays as like a point forward or power forward or, or really any position one through five uh, set out their, their midweek game against Pacific, which was, I think a, a makeup from earlier in the year. And they definitely struggled or an unimpressive, but like you could certainly wonder how much they cared about it. Um, I would hope that worry about seeding, they, they would care a lot more, but projected six seeds. So like not doing great, but, but certainly are in the tournament and, and got off to too good of a start probably to miss the dance. Um, but when I look at them and I, I backed them against Arizona this past weekend, a lot because I thought that they would do what UCLA could not do. And they're just so tall that Arizona, I mean, it, the two tallest teams maybe that I know of in, in all of basketball, I mean, pretty hard for Arizona who relies on interior um, strengths to, to really overpower uh, USC. Now, in terms for this game, UCLA, I, I guess, just, I guess, closing with Arizona, uh, UCLA struggled with that size on the road. We're pretty good at forcing jump shots at home. And I think Arizona took that as like a, hey, we're not going to shoot or settle for jump shots in this game. And for this game, I, I think UCLA is going to have similar trouble on the road, which should be a decent crowd. I mean, you don't expect too much from the LA schools, but um, they're going to have to figure out a way to score, assuming that USC is healthy. Uh, UCLA is going to need their guards to really play well. I think Tiger Campbell, who's a good point guard, but more of a pass first guy who had a really high three point percentage, like entering conference play, probably still as high because he doesn't take many because he's not a very good shooter. And I think that's coming down to earth. Um, but from where I sit, I, I like USC. I'm hoping that they will be an underdog um, at home. I was thinking that they might be a favorite until probably Mobley news hits. If he misses that, that's a pretty significant one. And there are definitely some problems on the USC side with scoring the basketball, but they are so tall. They're going to make it really hard for a, uh, a decently sized UCLA team, but really I think they're more built to be like kind of a bunch of six, seven, six, eight kind of tweeners. And I think that's going to be a real, real struggle for them on the interior. Yeah. And this fourth, fourth straight road game for UCLA. Uh, so, and a couple of those, you know, a couple losses in, on the Arizona swing, the, the pretty rare, the loss to Arizona and then the triple overtime loss against Arizona state who that's, that's an ugly loss because I, I mean, outside of Oregon state, I'd, I'd say Arizona state's probably the worst team in that league. So um, they, they bounce back against Stanford, but yeah, four, four straight road games, not, not an easy task. I would say definitely don't see that too often. All right, let's head down to big 12 country for Griffin's alma mater, a school where I used to work the university of Texas taking on the Baylor bears in Waco We'll project the Bears about six-point favorites here. I'll let you have the honor, sir. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, wow. I got to say, we we do see coming off a, a Kansas win at home, which uh, happens a lot more than than uh, I think anybody would expect based on where these programs have been recently. Uh, but was pretty fortunate to get it, banked in three to cut the deficit late and then take a lead and then hold on for dear life is kind of what happened. I think I was saying to some friends of mine in the group chat that if I was Bill Self, I think I would have ejected like four times in that game, the way they're calling that. Um, I don't expect things to be a lot better here because Waco is, is pretty... Uh, you can probably speak to this too, but I think they're pretty pumped to when, whenever the Longhorns come For to sure. town. And I imagine it's going to be a, a pretty big environment. Um, Baylor hasn't really looked as strong as I think we were all worried that they're just going to be a repeat of last season's perfect team. They certainly haven't been keeping that up and injury has been, I think an issue for them. Uh, but I think it's also that they're just maybe not as strong of a team. Of course, it's hard to be. Um, and, and I think some of their, uh, depth is being 
tested and kind of shown to not be the same level um, that their starters were. So interested in what their kind of health situation is going to look like for this one. They're not missing too many bodies, but it seems like just anybody in that rotation has kind of thrown them off a little bit. Um, but I just don't know how I can back Texas coming off that huge win is, is great and big and probably ensures them getting in the dance, which I think was becoming a little bit of a concern for uh, the fan base. But I just don't know that I can believe in anything besides Texas playing defense right now. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you, but I do think that they can play defense in this game. And I I think this is a game that's probably going to be in the one twenties. So six points feels like it's either points or pass for me. Let's just put it that way. But I, I think that Baylor, those showings that they had against Kansas and Alabama, where let's just they, they just weren't very competitive, to be honest. Like the Alabama score was closer than what the game was. That was not a close game. I, I mean, Alabama had their way with them. Uh, and then the Kansas score is about right, an 83-59 final. Uh, which I get it. Fog is a tough place to go play, but you're the defending champs. You're one of the best teams in the country. You're not supposed to get smacked like that, even on the road. Uh, And then it sandwiched in between that game was a game against West Virginia at home that it felt like they were sleepwalking in. They win that game by by like three, four points. So I, I don't think that this is like the best version of Baylor that we're seeing right now. And you could make the argument that Texas is playing their best ball of the year. They, they've won five of the last six. The only loss was the home run spot for Texas Tech in Lubbock. And if th- I will say, if this wasn't Baylor, you could argue that this would be a sleepy spot coming off that Kansas win for Texas. So I'll save sleepy spot Texas for the Oklahoma game, which sounds odd, on Tuesday. But, but that's the game right before the rematch with Tech. So if you say you've got Kansas, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech four games in a row, my guess is Oklahoma is going to be the sleepy spot um, and a, a sort of a wounded animal Oklahoma team that desperately needs uh, you know more. You saw it against Texas Tech; uh, they're fighting for their their tournament life too. Uh, and then Baylor defensively, what they what they do defensively is they drive you off the three point line, and Texas is okay with that because they're probably not looking to shoot a whole bunch of threes here. Um, I think they've got the physicality that can that can hang with the Bears. So it's either take the points or pass for me just because I think I think this is sort of a, another Big 12 rock fight game. And six points just seems like a lot in that scenario. Yeah, hard for me to, to say anything about taking two possessions uh, on a good defense because that, that will travel. Uh, and I think that there are some decent three-point shooting options within the Texas team. I don't know if I trust them to be efficient uh, from long range, but you could certainly catch them on a good day where Ramey or Jones, more so Ramey, is making shots, and, and that's um, something that could be useful. I think part of that winning five of six, uh, and certainly very happy to see it, uh, but the schedule has been pretty light to help with that. And you, I mean, you mentioned it, murderer's row going from KU to Baylor to Oklahoma to Texas Tech in that rematch of, of the biggest, craziest event in Lubbock history, probably besides a Graham Harold and Michael Crabtree touchdown, which I can't believe I just brought up because I've been trying to forget about that day for a long time. All right. Well, if you're interested in a good defense getting two possessions, I'm going to give you the 18th most efficient defense in the country catching about 16 points. So you've got to be thrilled about St. Mary's going to the kennel uh, against a Gonzaga team that is just 
a, 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 basically a supernova right now. What do you see here? Uh, yeah, uh, not thrilled. Uh, uh, <laughs> 16 points I, with a good defense. I, Come on. You know, the underdog better inside me is like, oh, my God, I think they could hang around. I think they might be able to. Uh, I need to stay as far away from that as possible. Though, I will say that I've been – in the fade St. Mary's camp for, I don't know, this entire season, it has been I'm with mixed you. results to say the least, but it felt pretty good with Santa Clara beating them and, and not choking away a 23 point lead. I feel like St. Mary's has beaten me out of some like unbelievable positions down 23 um, at, on the road at Utah state, like getting fouled, like on a travel with 1.5 seconds to go, to go to the line at the other end to win the game. It just like a lot of those, um, I don't think it's going to be a close game. The kennel is incredibly difficult to go into. I, way better teams have gone there, lost by 30. Um, not sure that the Texas team we just talked about is one of them, but uh, I think there's some real blowout possibilities in this one. And, and I do think St. Mary's is improving offensively. Their defense has been good, and it's kind of what made them who they are so far this season. I think their offense is getting better, and they might be one of those teams that we we look to play in the NCAA tournament, I think, if, if we're fast-forwarding to them getting there. Uh, I just... <laughs> I don't know how they're going to score. Uh, what, what's 90 minus 16, 74 points against Gonzaga. Yeah. So the, the theme of this podcast, uh, as long as you've been listening, if you, at least if you listen to me is don't fade Gonzaga, <laughs> um, particularly against the teams that are on the second tier of the WCC. And they've, they, they have continued to just blow out teams that post a relatively short number. Like, so the four conference games against teams in the Ken Palm Top 100, that was BYU twice, Santa Clara, and San Francisco. They've won those four games by an average of 25 point, 26 points per game, pardon me. And unlike BYU, who that was you know the, the murder of murders, a 33-point win that they just had uh, at BYU, um, St. Mary's has some size to combat Timmy and Holmgren, Although looking back at last season's games, Toss just w- wasn't really a factor in those games. They they basically kind of took him away. I think the the interesting thing here is that the new facet of this Gonzaga team is the three point shooting. And over their last four games, they're hitting nearly forty five percent from three, including Chet Holmgren hitting sixty percent in that time. And then St. Mary's where they're weakest on defense is defending the arc 200th defending a three point line in the country. This, this is as simple as if, if this number is 16, like I, like I, you and I both actually projected it to be uh, it, it's Gonzaga or pass for, for me. And I, I, there's no way I'm, I'm saying, Oh yeah, they can, they can hang within 20 because really just no one's hanging within 20. It's just, it's not happening right now in this conference. It's amazing. Mike Holmgren's son is so thin. It is right. It must, it's got to be. I, I don't know what uh, what the diet could be, but boy. All right. Before we get into best bets, I wanted to ask you about a team uh, that I know you're not too familiar with. And I, I did preview this with you before the pod. But as uh, uh, put on your angle shooting hat for me and I lost against them tonight. I, I actually I tried to play a, a cute way. Um, they covered the spread, which was it opened at 20 and closed at 18 and a half. And I played their team total under 
which was 51 and a half and they scored 57. So it was, it was not a, not a winner for me, but I like, you can't convince me there's not a way to make money fading IUPUI somehow. They are the worst team in Ken Palm coming from the horizon league, which is kind of wild. The horizon league is generally like a, I mean, it's a mid major certainly, but it's, it's, not one of the it's not a swack or a meak like this is usually not where you find the worst teams in the country but IUPUI and watching their game tonight and I I watched it they have six players and I'm not talking about six guys who get into the game I'm talking about their traveling party is six players and one of them fouled out tonight they were down to they had four their best player fouled out their second best player had four fouls on him uh, late in that game, and I, they've they're just ravaged by injury. People have transferred out. Th- their coach Matt Crenshaw tweeted this week, and it's since deleted. And I'm guessing tryouts must not have gone too well, otherwise there would have been more than six guys there tonight. But he tweeted, "If you are a student at IUPUI and have health insurance, if you're interested in in basketball, come to an open tryout." They're having on-campus open tryouts like like Vince Papali uh, to try and find just bodies to put on the floor. And this is a D1 program. Like, have you ever heard of anything like this? And do you, what do you think is a good way to to get at it from an angle standpoint? I haven't heard of that before, I got to say. I mean, it probably would have fulfilled my dream to be a college athlete, um, no matter if I was on scholarship or not. If I Did you have health insurance in college? Uh, well, usually through your parents, you have it until 26. Uh, okay, though, maybe you could have made it. Though I got to say the Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. And no, I did not look that up, Mackenzie. I actually knew it, sadly. Sad, sad story about my <laughs> life. Um, but you'd think that they're uh, a little bit a proud, proud university wouldn't be so cheap requiring health insurance instead of giving it to their students. Because I feel like most universities do that. Regardless, um, in terms of betting angles, uh, when I look at their, their team page, I see two wins uh, against Spalding and whoever East West University from their like, made up colleges. N- yeah, like NCAA football video games where you're playing like someone from directional school, state, university. Um, but like, man, I, you know, I don't know. I would imagine that was six six people um, that we might have a Clemson, North Carolina situation where eventually we'll only have four bodies on the floor at once playing a, a 2-2 zone. Um, but, you know, I imagine that, that unders are probably worth a look because they can't afford to uh, do anything but walk the ball down the court. All right. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to figure out a way. I mean, it just seems like there's it's such an anomaly that I've got I've got to figure out how to do this thing. But I, I've not yet. I've not quite mastered it. I, I beat them against the spread the other night. Um, but then tonight it was like, oh, Purdue Fort Wayne's not good. So, like, I mean, am I really going to give up that many points, which I was glad I didn't. But I, I found a way to lose it anyway. Uh, but I digress. We'll get to best bets. That's what you guys are here for. And for best bets. I'm going to stay in that conference in the Horizon League, and I'm going to go with the Wright State Raiders. You can get them currently. The line is up seven and a half. Uh, it opened at seven and was quickly bet up a little. So uh, I, I'd like this at eight as well, if, if that's what you wake up to. But uh, after they're at Milwaukee, by the way, and after a pretty disastrous two and seven start, Wright State is now at fifteen and ten. They are twelve and four in Horizon play, and they 
they're looking like they what they were projected to be in the preseason, which is the second best team in the horizon. And uh, they have been on it. They had a really good run in the horizon uh, where they were the the best team in the horizon. Most most years they had Bill Wampler. They had Loudon Love, man in the front court, like really solid guys. And Scott Nagy's kind of had to adjust to a smaller lineup. And that's really what he's done. Uh, Grant Basile, who has been a four, has basically been the he's the full time five now. Uh, it's paying dividends. He's getting more easy looks. He is finding himself at the free throw line more, which is nice when you're a 77 percent free throw shooter that plays center. Uh, and on the other side, Milwaukee has completely fallen off the map. They, they had high expectations coming into this year, uh, and they've been nothing close to competent. They've now lost six straight games, all six of those games by double digits. And their most recent loss may have been their worst of the year. They lost to North or to yeah, to Northern Kentucky 75 to 39. Uh they were minus and Northern Kentucky is, is we're not talking about Gonzaga here. This, that's Northern Kentucky. Uh they were minus 18 in rebounds in that game. They were 15 of 55 from the field. Milwaukee, since the season began, has dropped from 120 in Ken Palm to 330. So I've got a team that's playing their best ball of the year against a team that seems to have kind of just given up. Um, And then Milwaukee, they beat Wright State in the conference tournament last year where Wright State was the two seed. So I, I think there's a little bit of a revenge spot. Uh, I, I love this Wright State Raiders team. I love what I, I, I thought they were better than they looked at the beginning of the season. And now I, I think they're just getting a team that's completely donezo in Milwaukee. So my best bets, Wright State minus seven and a half against Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, Wright State, they were supposed to be, I think, the cream of the crop in that conference. I actually bet one game. Them in Cleveland State. Yeah, I, I you know, I'll even say that I, I think I was expecting Wright State to be a little bit better. Um, entering into the year and they were they were favored at home to Akron in a in a game against a, a Mac team early in the year that I did bet Akron in or Akron excuse me um, but you know and I think the Milwaukee uh, I think they their head coach brought in a NBA prospect but I wonder if he's maybe quit the team and they're down to six players no they have he has not quit the team uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. because his dad is the coach Ah. And I think his dad's making him go out there and play. Uh, I thought maybe he did quit the team because and Pat Baldwin, for those you don't know, Patrick Baldwin was a baller. Uh, He's a freshman and he is probably going to be playing in the NBA. He's probably the best player you'll see in in the Horizon League for some time. Uh, But he has as many DNPs this year as he does games played. So he's had some stretches where he was just out. If there's a uh, my, my, I'm feeling a little tight. Uh, he ain't playing. Um, and that he, after missing, I want to say he missed eight games in a row, something like that. Uh, since he came back, he's just been very inefficient. He's had, uh, O ratings under a hundred, uh, his last five games. So just not playing good ball. And of course, I mean, listen, when you get a guy that's that caliber of a player and you're on a team that has done nothing, there's probably some frustration and there, there's probably like a, Oh shit, what's happening to my draft stock uh, oh, going through your head. I, and is there any stock left? Is it the Great I, depression? I, yeah. I mean, listen, when you're a, when you're six foot nine and you can jump out of the gym, typically you, you, you find a way to, to, to get there. But 
Uh, certainly it's not as high as it was coming into the season. So um, it's certainly frustration, and I'm sure he's not as happy to be there as, as you know, as you would have been had IUPUI let you play. So uh, we'll, we'll just, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say I, I don't feel like Milwaukee's thrilled about playing out the string here. Uh, where are you going for your best bet? Well, you know, after that whole talk, I'm I'm suddenly very interested in Cleveland State, uh, being that they were your preseason uh, Horizon champion, and they get a team of six bodies. But um, I'm gonna, you know, stick with the tried and true methods of uh, trying to find a, a a cheap home team, which I'm gonna go with Santa Clara hosting San Francisco, uh, coming off a, a pretty big emotional victory where they're actually able to hang on and hold off St. Mary's, uh, as we already discussed. But ultimately, I really like the Santa Clara team in general. I feel like they have a lot of options, a lot of good three point shooters, and a lot of tall bodies down low, which really bothered. Uh, a St. Mary's team that really had a lot of success on the interior against San Francisco. Um, that's sorry, Santa Clara. We're going to project them about a pick them at home to San Francisco. I'll play anywhere from pick them to minus three. It's probably where uh, I'd limit it, but also would probably still look at, at, at a number even a little bit higher than that. Uh, don't want to get too crazy, but I, I'm pretty interested in this spot to say the least, as I think Santa Clara is trying to stack some wins for potentially moving towards the NCAA tournament. I think that's probably a bridge too far for them. Uh, but ultimately, I think they're they're very tall. They're going to be able to uh, limit San Francisco inside and really force San Francisco to try to make three point shots and try to shoot over them to win the game. And I just don't think that Santa Clara has enough on their roster to really score efficiently in that way. San Francisco wants to turn you over, wants to get the ball to the basket and up the floor as quickly as possible. I think because they don't really believe in their three point shooting as much as, as maybe other teams and Santa Clara has a lot of options. They can score inside they can score on the perimeter and they have one of the best relatively unknown players in Jalen Williams, who, uh, literally does everything they ask of, of for that program. And uh, I'm pretty interested in a Herb Sendak team who's, I guess, maybe found his level a few uh, stops since NC State and, and Arizona State coming down to the WCC, where I think you got a great coach and uh, it'll be a little bit underpriced, I think, for what Santa Clara is right now versus maybe what they've been this whole season. Yeah, it's funny. And we talked about the Mountain West and how many how many teams they could get. It feels like there's two clear lines or like three clear buckets in the, in the WCC. One bucket is Gonzaga. They are all by themselves. And then there's like a divide between St. Mary's, Santa Clara, San Francisco, BYU. And then below the line is like San Diego, Portland, Pacific, Pepperdine, Loyola. Like they're, they're, those are the bad teams. And it felt like at the beginning of the season, there was talk about maybe WCC getting four teams into the tournament and BYU's certainly been a massive disappointment relative to to what they what people thought they were, you know, a month and a half ago. I think San Francisco's starting to fall into that category as well. They had a hot start to the season. They were sort of the, you know, they a lot of people thought they were the second best team in that conference. And you know, we've talked about St. Mary's and St. Mary's feels like maybe they've underachieved a little bit. I think San Francisco's underachieved quite a bit. And really the team that's overachieved the most in that conference to me is Santa Clara, uh, who like I probably would have put on the border of of those two, those last two buckets coming into the season. And Santa Clara has been really good in conference play. Uh, they're sitting at seven, three, seven and three right now in, in the conference. Uh, they've, they've won four straight. And I also love that 
they've lost to San Francisco. They lost to San Francisco uh, at San Francisco by three. Uh, that was, I guess, the end of January. And now they get a chance for some revenge coming off a big win against St. Mary's. Uh, they, they, they've got to feel motivated. And really, if you look at their schedule and you talk, like you said, it might be a bridge too far for them. But I, I don't know if that's true because you look at the rest of their schedule after the San Francisco game, there's probably one loss and it's Gonzaga. If they can win a few games in that conference tournament, maybe maybe they're a team that can can sneak in. I mean, it's almost ridiculous to think that anyone but Gonzaga can win that tournament. But uh, this win is, if they are going to get a tournament bid, this win is an absolute must. Yeah, I, I would love, I, I think it's still a bridge too far. I appreciate you giving my uh, my best bet a chance to make the tourney. I think losses to uh, Irvine, who's one of the worst Irvine versions in years, and, and also to Cal are, are a little bit too much. But, you know, maybe the wins over Stanford and TCU, if they start going on a run and start actually winning some games instead of going the other direction, maybe it's possible. And certainly a, a win over Gonzaga wouldn't hurt. But uh, I'm just going to take a, a win over St. Mar- or, excuse me, San Francisco this weekend. All right. Well, there you have it. There are our best bets. We've got uh, Wright State minus 7.5 against Milwaukee. And you've got from Griffin on Saturday, uh, you've got Santa Clara uh, against San Francisco. We'll call it somewhere within a possession, uh, minus a possession for Santa Clara. All right. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Griffin, appreciate you taking the time and doing this thing with me. Thanks to McKenzie for producing. Always does a great job. Check out his podcast as well. And if you want more great stuff from pregame, uh, go to pregame.com and any picks package, any single pick, whatever you want, 20% off right now through the end of this week, super 20. So there's some great guys up there with, uh, with, with NFL packages, Super Bowl packages, uh, college basketball packages, NBA packages. McKenzie's a great choice for that. Uh, I post a UFC package this weekend. So, uh, super 20 is the code S U P E R the number two zero. Uh, 20% off one-time use only that ends soon. So get in there and get yourself some, uh, some action for the big game this weekend or whatever you're into this weekend. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. Subscribe, subscribe, check out all the pods, and we will talk to you guys this weekend. 